0: Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Spartan Spotlight. I'm Justin Thin. I'm here with my co-host, Corey Robinson. Uh, we're back after after a long time away doing uh, the Spartan Beat. Uh, we decided to come back here to our own independent sort of show. And uh, this is the uh, first episode back after we uh, got some administrative things handled, got some streaming stuff sorted out. And uh, Corey, it's good to be back. How are you today?
1: I'm um, doing good. Uh, d- definitely. like you. I'm happy to be back in this format where we can uh, give a little more flexibility and maybe even uh, when there's something breaking, we can do those emergency right. type podcasts for you guys. So
0: yeah, definitely a lot of scheduling flexibility and also the opportunity to do um, more podcasts, but shorter ones uh, focusing on specific topics instead of a strict hour long Weekly sort of concrete schedule, so that was pretty much the rationale behind us coming back to this this format. That's really it. But yeah, so we're gonna talk about the uh, Indiana game in this episode. Haven't been able to do a lot of uh, post game and pre game podcasts uh, while we were away in the transition phase, but we're gonna jump right into it for the most recent game and just hit the ground running here. So yeah, Michigan State won that game. wasn't wasn't pretty defense did a great job in the red zone like they've done in several games that seems to be becoming a staple scotty hazelton's defenses are they'll they'll give up yards they'll the other team can get past uh, midfield quite a bit but them uh giving up a touchdown is a is a different different element than just getting yards on them so um offense didn't look great Uh, That was in large part due to Kenneth Walker uh, not being able to get it going, not not due to any fault of his own, but they had great edge contain. They uh, took away uh, runs between the tackles as well. Um, He had to break tackles just to get back to the line of scrimmage. And because of that, safeties um, were able to kind of play closer to the box, couldn't get the field opened up. So Kenneth couldn't get really any space and then Indiana as a whole is just good at um, limiting the deep explosive passes as well. Um, every quarterback they've played so far this season, um, actually I believe five of the six uh, they had played coming into that game had been held to their season low in passing yards. Um, and a lot of that is just because they're going to force guys to have sh- hit short and intermediate throws. And you saw that there were no 75 yard flea flickers this week. And, the game kind of went to play and other than I didn't expect Kenneth Walker to be limited. Um, Those are my observations. Corey, what did you, what did you kind of think?
1: Yeah. uh, Going in, I thought the game was going to be uglier than a lot of people were thinking just because people see Indiana's record where I believe they're two and four now, Uh, but coming in and I guess going out all, all of their losses have come against top 10 opponents um, and they do a good job at taking away what the opponent wants to do where Michigan state, obviously Kenneth Walker, uh, getting him outside and letting him bounce out to the edge is kind of what loosens up a defense where, uh, they kind of bracketed their defensive ends and they have their linebackers crash down. And then like you had mentioned, they do a good job, uh, on the deep balls too, getting back and taking that away. So the hole for them was those mid-range type of intermediate throws, seams, uh, stuff like that. I thought Michigan State probably could have did a better job attacking the weakness, but uh, they, I guess they, they did enough to, to get the win on that. And then defensively, you look at it, they were kind of they've been that bend don't break off our defense the entire way limiting touchdowns they've done a great job with that but i thought even in the late in the second quarter maybe second half they really didn't bend a whole lot either once they realized that mm-hmm. right, our offense we're not going to be able to rely on the offense like we normally do to put up 30 plus points so then they almost tightened up a little bit tightening the screws up on defense. And they really didn't have a lot of bend in the second half. I don't know what the exact yardage numbers were for Indiana in contrast to the first and second half, but I'd assume by watching it live in the replay that most of their yards came in the first half, honestly.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and and I've seen that in some other games as well where um, the Miami game being another one where um, it takes a second, and then Scotty Hazleton figures out, okay, this is what they're doing. This is how they're attacking us. This is how they're getting their yards. Um, and then then they're, they tighten the screws even more, and then it's harder for them to even uh, get yards. But um, before that phase, before those adjustments, even while they're giving up the yards, they're not necessarily giving up touchdowns. So that's like the perfect scenario is eventually they make adjustments to the point where even getting yards is hard but even while they're getting yards, they're not, they're not breaking. So that's uh, that's yeah. Scotty, Scotty has done a nice job uh, this season. And um, if, if you kind of look at the biggest weakness, uh, which I've said is outside corner, those guys have kind of come along as well. I know uh, we were talking about it earlier, but um, Ronald Williams needs to learn how to kind of turn his head. But other than that, he's doing a much better job staying with guys stride for stride uh, Chester Kimbrough has done a pretty decent job. Um, I know Marquis Lowry has played in the last two games, even though he limped off once again this, this past game and he was hurt before that. And uh, we'll see what happens there. But he was a redshirt freshman playing early. So at least he's another transfer that showed he could get on the field. And um, Charles Brantley has been physical, uh, sometimes falls for uh, the occasional double move and lets guys get open on slants. But he's the guy that, He has the fundamentals. He has the technique. He just needs to be a little more consistent with the eyes, and he'll be a good corner here for years to come, but there's some promise at that position that was looking like a very, very scary weakness uh, three, four weeks ago. Thoughts on on outside corner, Corey?
1: Yeah. uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. I might be wrong, but I think Kimbrough, Williams, Lowry, who was obviously hurt, they, they all came in the summer and not not in the December, January, uh, enrollment, if I recall correctly. So, I mean, you have to think of it too, is they didn't get spring ball and they didn't get, uh, the winter conditioning and all that. So there's some catch up and you wonder if some of the playing safe is predicated off of the lack of experience that those guys have. Uh, but yeah, I think Kimbrough is a guy that you've seen each week his confidence levels going up each week and he's starting to be comfortable out there. And you see that he's becoming one of those players that has a, an ability to make the big play when it matters. He had the interception and overtime against Nebraska to basically seal that game for them after they uh, got the ball back, obviously, and then uh, force the fumble coming off of the edge in Indiana, which I think that was a great play call because Hazleton, he doesn't send a lot of blitzes, especially from the corners. And they had the, I think they had two or three receivers off of that side too. And he brought the thing, the blitz from there, which caught the quarterback completely off guard. And he makes the play, strips the ball and recovers the fumble. Uh, Ronald Williams, he, you know, he, he definitely was struggling early and like you'd like to see certain things like yeah flip the head around but mm-hmm. even he has kind of when the game tightens up and the defense tightens up that seems to be when he's at his best right. and then I think the last three weeks you've actually seen him play uh pretty well so you're starting to see a, a step up from maybe the weakest position on the defense and then uh Lowry he's very physical they got a hope he didn't aggravate uh that injury too much and Mm -hmm. coming off of the bye he'll be ready to go and even chuck brantley is the true freshman he hasn't played as much once lowry got healthy but he's he's done pretty well in his time too so i think you can see corner starting to maybe not quite be a strength yet but it's the weakness of it is going away each week
0: yeah definitely and um there were there were some teams on the schedule that you you might have thought uh, specifically Miami with their vertical speed that that Michigan State would have lost a game due to outside corner being their biggest weakness and yet here they are at 7-0 and not the prettiest 7-0 and but the fact that their biggest weakness hasn't killed them yet through seven games despite how worried I was coming into the season is is remarkable in its own right, and um, I don't know just coming into the season, I should say, right after the Northwestern game, I was really scared of Miami and Western Kentucky and the kind of numbers they would put up. And uh, Scotty's scheme kind of masked uh, the effectiveness of some of those passing attacks, and uh, they've gotten through it. And now, um, not to not to look ahead, but there's not really that many teams in front of them other than Maryland and Ohio State. Where even if they lose the game, it'll be because they got lit up through the air. I think Penn State to some effect with Sean Clifford, if he's back and Jahan Dotson being truly elite, there's some worry there, but there, there's not really going to be a time where you're going to say, okay, this team just has dreadful outside corners and that's exactly why they lost this game. So that was that, which is what I thought was going to happen quite a few times this year. So even in that regard, the unit has played better than I expected just because I was really fearful of some games being losses truly just because of them and uh, that not happening so far is uh, definitely a, a W in my book. Um,
1: yeah. And I think too, yeah. some of it could come down to the, the scheme where they're playing that sticks coverage where right. sometimes it can be frustrating, uh, to watch because you are giving up yards, and I mean they they do need to get those third and longs. So they got to correct that. You can't be yeah. letting teams off the yeah. hook on third and twelve when you're just dropping back past yeah. six. You got to you got to have that awareness of where you're at. Yeah. But uh, but when you play that, then you're not allowing them to get beat as easily over the top. So then you get into the red zone and then it turns into field goals once the field shrinks so right. they they've done a a good job scheming to the talent they have but you're also like we've mentioned you're starting to see the talent kind of rise up a little yeah. bit as the guys get comfortable yeah uh, with what the the scheme and what they're asking yeah. to be done is
0: plus in regards to the um the third down coverage uh, or conversion rate um, which definitely was annoying in the first quarter, but it, I don't have the exact numbers to back this up, but this just seems to be an observation I've had in the back of my mind, but they always seem to kind of start like giving up three for four or two for three. And um, just in the beginning, that, just being like, why can't they stop a third down? Suddenly you fast forward to the beginning of the fourth quarter. And then suddenly you see the percentage being something like five for 16. And suddenly I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I was really frustrated about this facet of the game in the first quarter. Um, And then it's crept up that suddenly they've gotten it squared away and it's 33%. So that kind of feeds to your point earlier about tightening the screws as the game goes on.
1: Yeah, and the numbers against Indiana. Indiana was 8 for 20 in third downs. And I I think at least three of them had to be in the first drive. Yeah, they started 3
0: for 3. Indiana did.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so if you take those three out, that's yeah. uh five, five for, for 17, uh, 17 yeah. which is pretty good. Uh, yeah. You had a couple of them like that they would want to get back, obviously, but, but overall you're seeing the team adjust. And I think as a fan base, like I know everybody's excited when they score the 30 plus and are explosive, but as a fan base, you should also probably be pretty comfortable winning those defensive battles, right? Because I mean, you've got a lot of championships under Mark D'Antonio with that model of do enough on offense and uh, stop them with your defense. So uh, it's good to see that Michigan state's able to win the games off of their defense occasionally on the few times that the, the offense really struggles, which has been, I guess a maybe a full game because they're were decent the first half of Nebraska and they were decent the second half of Indiana, but the, the two halves were where it really, really magnified how bad they were for the day.
0: Yeah. Um, and yeah, at the end of the day, like sometimes your offense shows up, sometimes your defense shows up, sometimes both, sometimes it's special teams, but, um, like uh, like Andy Reid used to say when I would watch his Eagles press conferences, he would say, it's hard to win games in the National Football League. Um, and uh, I would say the same goes for the Big Ten Conference. There's not going to be hey. blowouts. There's not going to be um, games where you're just every single week, you're going to be throttling teams by 25, even if you're a top-ten team. And at the end of the day, if you go to a road venue in the Big Ten on their homecoming and you cover the spread – I would consider it a successful day. And uh, if anything, now you have a lot of teaching moments going into a bye week right before you play Michigan. So it, it's it's kind of the ideal result. Um, if you were not going to dominate, this is the second best result you would want um, to have teaching yeah, and, moments. Yeah. yeah. And
1: then, I mean, there's some execution things. If uh, Reed catches that mm-hmm. deep pass on the first drive, that's a touchdown. Does that, does that, uh, Give Michigan State kind of that energy of here we go again, we're about to run with it, and gets Indiana a little more back on their heels, not crashing down as hard. Uh, Jalen Naylor, where they called it a drop where he actually caught it for eight yards, I mean, that's third and manageable instead of third and long. And then I believe there's another Naylor one where he had him on a quick hitter that he had quite a bit of space had mm-hmm. but Naylor free. kind of saw the linebacker and dropped the, the mm-hmm. ball but he yeah. probably would have ra- been able to run away from that guy so yeah. there there's missed opportunities there the offensive line obviously didn't play up to what they need to play yeah um, I think
0: so I think, yeah let's let's talk about the offensive line a little bit what what have your thoughts been the last couple games with, with the way that unit is trending
1: Um, I I think against the Rutgers, they were probably okay. Like just because the Rutgers didn't necessarily uh, give them a lot of fit. So maybe that's a talent thing, but I I think Indiana, obviously they didn't get the job done. I think uh, coach cap would be the first one to tell you that. Uh, But uh, I think, I don't know if they need to shrink some of who they play or maybe some guys are just nicked up and this bye week is going to be good for them. But I don't think you've seen them with the play with the consistency that you saw from them earlier in the season. And they need to figure out what's causing that, whether it was a guy worn out or maybe too deep of a rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a guy like Jarrett horse, there's no reason for him to come off the field. He's too valuable. Mm-hmm. Uh AJ Curry. He's been good. He hasn't been great, but he's at least a tackle. Uh and then maybe you just put Jarvis out there. Yeah. You know, occasionally if a guy's tired or something. Yeah. I I think I think if you left the tackles in more and I would even argue. And then uh the center too. Uh yeah, JD Duplane he's probably been arguably the best or second best behind horse. Yeah. And then I think at center you need to play more say Mac. I think maybe some of the pre-snap uh, penalties that he has picked up could be result of uh, just the timing and inconsistency of you're yeah. sitting on the bench. Then you go in, you sit out a couple drives, you go in. But I think the overall blocking while he's in is remarkably better than when they have Matt Allen in there. Yeah. So as a five yard penalty, once a game, from say Mac worse than the damage of the run blocking or lack thereof that you get from Allen when he's in. Yeah.
0: I mean, even in the Rutgers game, like they were not able to run the ball up the middle. I know um, he like Ken, Ken still would have had over a hundred yards even before the 90 yard scramble, but like a lot of it was not just halfback dive up the middle, getting seven yards. Like they were in some other instances, they were off tackle runs. They were hard fought runs. They were manufactured runs by Walker. So even at, even at some of their best days, statistically running up the middle has still been a challenge for this unit. And, and yeah, if Matt Allen, the, if the film shows that he's lagging far behind in that facet, then yeah, Nick Samak should play more because you should be able to run the ball up the middle and um, have similar success to running a ball in other areas when you average over seven yards per carry, it should not be to the point where you average 11, for example, off tackle and then one up the middle. Like There there needs to be a level of a standard where you should be able to run the ball in any portion of the line and have success. And that I have not noticed uh, when they run up the middle.
1: And, And I mean, and it's obviously Kenneth Walker leads the, the country yeah. in yards after contact so it's right. not like he gets hit and he goes down exactly they just need to be able to give him enough crease to be able to hit it with power yeah where he can go break that tackle if he needs to at the second level but when you don't allow him to to generate that power you know that changes things so i think maybe even is it more beneficial rather than slide like we go back to the tackles again if Jarvis is getting tired on the inside, maybe he doesn't need to go out to tackle. You, you keep our curry and uh, horse out there because uh, what's his name? Blake Buter and Matt Carrick haven't been terrible inside. So, I mean, if you, I guess maybe if you're going to look for a rest, maybe you got to rest Jarvis where he's getting no rest. He's the only, only lineman that's really not getting any rest. And then, like I say, Say Obviously to me it makes a lot of sense to to go there where if you want Allen to get a few snaps, that's fine, I suppose. But the you gotta be over three quarters of the snaps going to Say at this point, I think, for yeah. this season and the future, cause Allen's obviously gone next year.
0: Yeah. I think uh, like you were saying, you you've gotta shorten the line here, figure figure things out, look at a lot of tape during the bye week and um kind of get more guys in rhythm i know cap has been of the philosophy where he'll play as many guys as he feels um are close to the same level um he'll draw the line where he feels there's a drop-off but i feel like um maybe it's time to to readjust the line um because there do seem to be some drop-offs and uh maybe go seven deep instead of nine deep uh maybe six deep and uh get some continuity here as you play in Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State. And um, hopefully, uh, like you said, some guys might be nicked up. Maybe the bye week will do them some good. And um, that's, that's pretty much the only um, continual um, issue that, that – because we, we talked about defensive uh, – the outside corners are getting better. Uh, defense is consistently good. Um, wide receivers and running backs are talented in their own right when they have a chance to chance to get downfield and a chance to get um, some blocking so really the only the only concern moving forward um, that is something that isn't a quick fix is the offensive line so that's something that the season kind of rests on to be honest and if, if those guys can come along then you go back to um, just worrying about how Ohio State and uh, those guys might shred some of these corners. But other than that, you're uh, able to win every single game on the schedule if the offensive line uh, steps up. And uh, so that'll be kind of the storyline to watch here in in the next uh, couple of weeks here, um, at least, at least um, in my regard. So, Corey, do you have any other um, observations from uh, the Indiana game?
1: Um, no, I mean, I think we covered most of it. I, I do think the win is probably better than a lot of people feel it was. Cause I do think Indiana is a good team. They just had a, a really bad schedule. <laughs> and I mean, you look at it, they've lost the four top 10 teams and you have, uh, Ohio state next weekend for them. And I think Michigan, uh, in a few weeks too. So it, doesn't get a whole lot easier for them. they just one of those years that they matched up against a lot of good teams and probably come up short in most of those games. Yeah. Uh, So, I mean, yeah, obviously you want to see the offensive line block better. You want to see the receivers catch those balls, but overall, I mean, you can't really complain with what the receivers have done this year. And you've seen signs that the O-line can get it back together so maybe they just need a a bye week to kind of get healthy because we don't know what's going on there with injuries uh because the coaches don't talk about those obviously right but i'm sure you know you're in the trenches you've had nobody in the offensive line miss any games due to injury yet mm-hmm. so i mean but that doesn't mean that they're not having those sore backs theirs knees or whatever that we don't know about but i think honestly, to wrap up the Indiana is the bye Mm -hmm. week came at the perfect time for them.
0: Right. Yeah, for sure. And um, uh, speaking of not knowing injuries, I know the the one that everyone's watching for is Sean Clifford at Penn state. And if anybody got to see the Iowa game a couple of weeks ago, Penn state's not winning any games with Taquan Roberson. Um, Maybe they'll beat Illinois, um, but man, they, it is a, it is a successful play if they can snap the ball without a false start and without a fumbled snap at at that point. But um, maybe that was just first game jitters. Uh, Maybe he was playing at Kinnick stadium. So uh, maybe, maybe he looks completely different next game, but if he doesn't, and if Clifford isn't back, uh, Penn state's in some big trouble. So we'll see. We'll monitor that. Uh, James Franklin also doesn't give anything on injuries, just like uh, Mel Tucker. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's a storyline for Michigan State fans to kind of monitor and see uh, who's uh, taking snaps at quarterback for Penn State going up to the Michigan State game.
1: And uh, one guy that they did lose for the year, uh I'll probably Butcher's his name, PJ, PJ for
0: Yeah, PJ Mustapha, yeah, really good uh, defensive tackle.
1: And that, that obviously helps Michigan State where we're talking about where they need to run between the tackles, having a guy like that out. Is, yeah. Isn't that a bad thing for yeah, Michigan he's, State in the future?
0: Yeah. He's uh, He was probably their second best defender, maybe third, um, behind Jaquan Brisker, who's probably going to be a top 15, top 20 pick. And he's probably one of the best run uh, stoppers in the Big Ten. So uh, that's definitely um, a uh, an injury that hurts them. Uh, he's out for the year, um, even though Iowa fans, I guess, thought he was faking it or something. But uh, the, uh, that's, that's a guy that's not somebody that Penn State wanted to lose, and that should open up some holes for uh, Kenneth Walker. And, uh, yeah, so some, some injuries around the Big Ten, I guess, that are kind of affecting uh, the upcoming schedule and Michigan State's chances of winning, um, uh, depending on who returns and who doesn't. But um, that about wraps it up for this podcast. Um, and we're going to have some, uh, other episodes here in the, in the coming week or so, um, during the bye week um, so probably either this weekend or early next week, we're going to have just like a mid-season evaluation, big picture reflection type deal, um, maybe some report card, um, kind of props and things like that. But, um, we'll also discuss, um, maybe some of that Mel Tucker LSU chatter on uh, an episode of its own um, maybe assessing Kenneth Walker's Heisman chances in another episode, but so yeah, we'll, we'll be putting out more episodes than we used to, but they will be for shorter times, focused on specific topics. So keep an eye out, make sure you hit subscribe on whatever streaming platform you use and, uh, please share on social media, spread the word and, uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate it.